0: Hello and welcome to the First Stand Football Show. I'm your host, Tobias Brown. And, folks, we are back with another great episode for you guys. We're actually doing something a little different. We've got an interview today, but we actually went out to a college game this past weekend. We went to Otterbein University. Watched a little football, watched them take on capital. And we're joined again by Otterbein offensive coordinator Dave Carroll. Dave, how are we doing today, man?
1: Good, man. Glad to be back and uh, great game that you guys got to see. Um, so it's great, awesome to be back and uh, love what you guys are doing with your show.
0: Man, we appreciate the kind words. And I tell you, we appreciate the good football you guys gave us this past Saturday. It was, uh, I told Logan, we'll see how the game goes. And it did not disappoint. We were taking bets, would it be a walk off touchdown or a walk off field goal? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, that's usually how Otterbein and Cap usually goes. It's going to be a, it's going to be a close one down the wire. It's tough, um, tough hard-nosed football game. You know, they have a great staff, great, uh, bunch of kids on their team as well too. So, you know, it was a great, great crowd, great atmosphere for our homecoming and you add capital to it that just, you know, doubles everything. And that from that standpoint, and it was, it was a great atmosphere to be a part of and a great game overall.
0: You know, and the atmosphere was the first thing I wanted to talk about. If you haven't been to a D3 game, folks, you got to go to one. I I particularly recommend the OAC, and I'm going to give a nod to Otterbein as one of the better atmospheres. It was, I mean, other than trying to find parking, once we solidified a parking spot, it was smooth sailing. The atmosphere, the stadium, the facilities are top notch for a D3 program, and just the atmosphere, the fans, you know, we're coming as outsiders and being welcomed right onto the sideline and with you know, the regular, it was just, it was such a unique atmosphere. Talk about what an advantage that's like for you guys to have on home days.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a huge advantage for us, you know, for myself, I usually on game days, I get about eight nine o'clock. And when I was rolling in this past Saturday to see one whole parking lot already completely filled with RVs, we had a parent drop off their RV on Wednesday night of wheat leading up to the Capitol game. So you know, it was – that, that atmosphere, the fans, you, they're, they're there tailgating. It feels like a college Saturday uh, atmosphere. Um, and, you know, it was in, in, in the OAC, you get that a lot. You know, I've had my experience at Marietta. I hit back on that. Same thing, that atmosphere. Uh, Logan will tell you as well, too, great atmosphere on Saturday at, uh, afternoon, Saturday nights if there's a night game, you know. Um, it just feels like it is a big time college game every single Saturday here. And, and that's a props to our parents and to the following we get from the Westerville and Columbus area um, just to come out and support, you know, every home game, even on the road. You know, when we pull in with our buses, we see the Otterbein flags flying. There's a group of them tailgating and they, they find where we pull in every time for some reason. So they're there, cheering us on so you know that's again like I said that's a big props to our parents and to the to the Westerville and Columbus community coming out supporting our guys you know each and every Saturday.
0: You know and I want to talk about the game specifically because this game was not without enough adversity for you guys you know working in a new starter I believe that was Caden's first career start correct?
1: Yes it was yes it was his first start.
0: So I got to ask you right off the bat with that you know, you got a sophomore quarterback who had thrown a couple passes. These weren't his first pass attempts of his career or anything. Mm-hmm. This is his first career collegiate start. Does the game plan change? I know you told us the last time you were on, you try to script about 15 plays. What goes into that, though, with the, yes. the first career start?
1: So with with Caden, it was, you know, he had some um, series here and there early on against Ohio Wesleyan and um, in our second game of the year as well, too. Um against Heidelberg, he, he came in for a couple of series. But like you said, has had that first career start, and he happens to be starting against Capitol and happens to be starting on homecoming. So that just raises, you know, um, I guess the intensity level for him a couple of bars. You know, for me, when I was – when especially for our offensive staff, when we sat down to game plan in, in the past game, A lot of it was trying to put everything in front of his face, whether it be when he's looking for his first read and it's not there. Okay. He's got something coming across his face that he can see, you know, making it as easy and making it, making him as comfortable as possible. And um, you know, that was why we went with throwing the ball in the first play of the game was to get him in a rhythm. You know, we, we decided as a staff, we wanted to take the ball first. If we won the coin toss, because we wanted him to get comfortable and get in a rhythm and not have to sit and wait a whole series why, why our defense was out there. So it was just, you know, getting him comfortable um, from right from the get go. And, uh, you know, I, I props to him because the kid came in and he made some big plays for us. Um, you know, I couldn't be more proud as a coach, uh, the way that he played and the way he handled the adversity. You know, there's still some mistakes that he made, some stuff we got to clean up on that end. But overall, as his first start, I thought he did an outstanding job. And that's a props to, you know, our coaching staff, you know, his dad being our head coach and then his quarterback's coach, um, John Jennings and, and uh, Jim Stoyle working with him, uh, getting him ready to go. It's just a props to our, to our uh, offensive staff, making sure he was ready, comfortable, um, um, and, and ready to go from that standpoint.
0: You know, and I felt like Capital had a great game plan defensively yeah. on him. You you could tell they knew that they had a young quarterback mm-hmm. that they were going up against because they brought a lot of pressure, designed yep. a lot of blitz schemes, and yep. he, he was dealing with some harassment. Most of the game yep. got banged up, and, you know, you guys went – several guys got injured in this game. You know, your lead running back, Suraj mm-hmm. Muhammad, gets hurt. Talk about that. When you see a guy who's got 110 yards on the ground, already got a touchdown – and then boom he's down what what's going through your head as a play caller at that point
1: uh my at that point when that happened you know i i honestly was like oh crap we don't have a running back because that running back room is so deep and talented that it was the next man up mentality and it was great to see out of you know Jordan Bose Floyd stepping in and AJ Cody having some big some big time touchdowns down in the down in the red zone goal line area so it was it was not so yes, Siraj is a great football player, great running back um, but we've got guys behind him that are chomping at the bit that are ready to go that can fill in um, and and they just use that next man up mentality and it was great to see from that standpoint. Um, so from a calling standpoint, nothing really changed you no know, because those guys they get reps throughout the week um, they know they're big they're a big part of our game plan so, um, you know, nothing really caught, nothing really changed from that mentality. We were still able to do what we normally do from a run game perspective. And even in the past game, using those guys as well.
0: You know, and once Siraj went out, you kind of alluded to it. You continued to go to the run. I believe you ended with 47 carries for about 237 yards. Yep. And, you know, you talked about Ajay Cody and I wanted to hit on him a little bit because coming into that game, he'd played in 11 career games and had mm-hmm. one rushing touchdown. He ended up with two touchdowns alone in this game, including what we alluded to was the walk-off touchdown. Do you, as a coach, have confidence in him, knowing you know goal line he's going to get it done, or was this a coming out party for him?
1: No, this is this is I've seen Aj do this every day in practice. It wasn't it wasn't anything new that I was surprised about. Um, you know, when he gets when his number is called, he's going to get the job done, and I had the utmost confidence in him and. It was great to see, you know, he's my he's also my kick returner on kickoff return because I'm in charge of that and uh, does a great job there. So, like I see, you know, yes, Siraj is our is our main running back. But I know when the other two get into the game, they're going to do their job. And 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 they did their job very, very well on Saturday. And it could be more proud of, you know, Ajay and and uh, Jordan Bose Floyd. So, yeah, you
0: know, and I want to talk about the halftime adjustments you guys made because you went into the half trailing you know you just missed a field goal so you're going into the half kind of a little up in there now it's a tight game but w- what if any adjustments did you guys make to be able to come out and put up 21 in the second half and really it felt like after the fumble in the third quarter you know maybe they had you on the ropes but you guys yeah. defense held up and then it felt like from there you guys just kind of took over what adjustments did you guys make to have that second half success
1: it was adjustment wise um it was trying to pick up that pressure, um, you know, going into this game, they hadn't shown, you know, blitzing that much, but once we got in guys from upstairs, you know, credit to them, credit to, to our staff upstairs saying, Hey, this is what they're doing now on first and second down than what we saw uh, on film and, and, what we were preparing for, you know? So, and it, it you know, it props to props to that capital defensive staff. Uh, I mean, that game plan of putting pressure, you know, adding pressure, um, you know, really forcing us, uh, from some standpoint to make that adjustment. Once we made that adjustment, uh, going in the second half, I think Caden felt more comfortable, uh, in the pocket as well. Um, and then in the run game, you know, I, I, in the run game, I pre, before the game started, I went in the locker room, I challenged our offensive line. I said, I go, it's on you guys you take us as far as you want to go and and the, and they answered that call in in a very well and in timely manner that we needed it um you know that that play in the third quarter you know it was it was a call that was on us that we took that we probably uh shouldn't have called um you know just the just the way that we had that it was it was a draw play never good against blitz when you blitz against draw so um, you know, that one was on us as an offensive staff and, and, and giving those seven points to them, um, you know, and, and, but props to our kids, right. That's adversity at the most. And they responded in a positive manner driving right back down the field, uh, tying the game back up. And then, um, from there, it was just a, it was just an onslaught of, of points to, to come back and win that ball game.
0: You know, and I want to ask you, cause you guys had a fumble, you had an interception in the game. And you know, we all hear the saying, you know, you got to flush it away, next play. You know, you can't dwell on it. But when you've got young guys who maybe aren't used to being the lead guys, what do you tell them as a coach advice-wise? Or is it just that flush it? We got to move on mentality.
1: It's it's the next play mentality, right? And in, in previous weeks, we were in games, you know, it was 14-10 in the fourth quarter, Marietta. It was, we were up uh, against Wilmington and let that one go. And, and, you know, those two weeks leading up to this, it was about finishing a football game, finishing on the right side of the football game. And, and, and that's what those guys did right with that. You know, when, when, uh, when, when the young guys make mistakes, it, it is the next play mentality because if you dwell on it, then it's a domino effect from there and, and, and other things are going to start happening. Right. Um, you know, and and just as an offensive staff, we just put those guys on that play in a bad position. And, and we learned from that and, and uh, it was good from the re- from there. So,
0: you know, and I have to ask you about the goal line fade in the fourth quarter, yep. you know, it really felt like, you know, that was a maturing moment, a moment where we mm-hmm. saw a guy go from his first career start to what we might talk about in two, three years when he graduates yep. as the moment, the switch flipped. Can you talk about what went into that play call and,
1: Um, when I was looking at it, yeah, it was fourth and 11, I believe fourth and goal from the 11 yard line. Um, and I know number eight, Armani Burton, he has made these plays in practice. He made them, um, previously, you know, kind of, kind of took a dip of making those one on one plays against, um, Wilmington and Marietta, but you know, I have the utmost confidence in him. He's a, he's a junior receiver. He leads our uh, wide receiver room. And Caden threw a great ball. He threw it to where only Armani could go up and get it. And it's a props of when your number's called, go up and make a play. That's what I preach to him every week, right? Every 50-50 ball has to be ours. And we and I liked our matchup against 27. He had he had shown in film that he has given up some plays uh in previous weeks. And you know, it's it's it was that of putting number eight alone against 27 and letting you know, Caden, every, every week in practice, they go and throw those goal line fades, those back shoulder fades. And that was just a, an attestment of practice translating into a game and, and and then making a huge play for us.
0: You know, so you guys are at the midway point in the season. You're five five games into your season. You guys are sitting at two and three, but that's a misleading record. You alluded to how close you guys were against Wilmington and Marietta. You're really just a couple plays away from being four and one. And near the top of the OAC, you know, if you take away the Heidelberg game, which at the time Heidelberg was a top 25 program and, you know, you guys have been competitive. You started with a win against Ohio Wesleyan, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the last time we had you on, you hadn't, you hadn't named a starting quarterback and you guys, while you were returning a lot of starters, you were young in some key positions, Mm -hmm. including quarterback. Yep. Can you talk about where you guys are at as a team at the midway point of the season?
1: You know, at the midway point here, it's um, those those uh, after Heidelberg, you know, especially Wilmington uh, and Marietta were were tough, some tough losses for our kids. And and some of them took it really, really hard. And it was, you know, the mentality of we've got to finish when we when when uh, the game's on the line. Right. We have to we have to that translate from practice winning every day and practice will translate to winning on the field on Saturday. So, you know, it was, it was just getting our guys in that mentality of we've got to finish, especially this game here. Yep. We're down again, here we go again. Right. But this time something, something flipped for those guys and and, and they finished and they finally can see now, yes, we can do it. Right. Um, so you know, at the midway at the midway point, I say, um, you know, we're right there. Of of this this win could turn a lot of pages for us. It could turn us in the direction where we want to go. You know, going up against Muskingum this week, very very tough physical football team, well coached, good on both sides of the ball, would be a great win for us and head into the bye at three and three, get this thing back to five hundred. Um, but again. We've got to go out and practice, win every day in practice, and translate that to the field on Saturday. Um, but at the, at the midway point right now, I would have to say that, um, you know, we're, we're hurt a little bit as well, too. Injury bug hit a little bit as well. But we've got some guys that that will take the next man up mentality, fill in for those shoes, and, and, and uh, really get this thing rolling here. Um, because we've got some tough games coming up after we play Muskingum on Saturday after the bye week following that week is, you know, our tough end of the schedule where the, where we've got some big names and some big teams and big physical teams coming our way. But right now it's, it's, it's focused on Muskingum, you know, great, great coaching staff there. Great. What, what they've been able to do, especially with that program in the last couple of years of turning it around Uh, being an alumni um from muskingum it's fun to go it's fun to go back um you know and it's good to see that they're that they're you know and at the top half of our conference now um with with how they play so it'll be a tough physical football game on both sides of the ball and and uh we'll be ready for it
0: you know and looking ahead to the muskingum game you know that's a two and two football team right now that blew out capital played very good week one Mm -hmm. slipped up a little bit against mount but i mean Bounce who out. doesn't slip up against <laughs> Mal at this no. point? You know, in last you know, this past Saturday they were in their game at halftime, tied at mm-hmm. twenty-one. Things got away from them in the second half, but that tells you that it's a much improved team. Yes. What if any are you telling your guys about this game now that you know how to get over the hump? You know how to finish. Mm-hmm. What are you telling them going into this week?
1: Uh, we we have to first and foremost up front match their physicality. You know they've got their they've got a nose guard who we feel is pretty good. Uh, Their Mike and Will linebacker play play fast and physical, um, so it's going to be about being fit in the, the more physical and dominant team up front, um, setting the tone with running the football. You know that's the first and foremost thing. Me even being as a wide receivers coach, I've, we've got to establish running the ball. That gets our offense going um, from top to bottom. If we can establish that run things are going to click well for us, you know, on Saturday. But for us, it's, it's you know, respecting our opponent too. Like these, these guys are, are obviously a great football team, right? Hanging in tough there with Heidelberg for the first half um, goes without question saying that they could do it, that they could compete with, the, you know, the top tier teams in our, in our conference. So, you know, again, like I, like I uh, said earlier, it's, it's going to be a tough physical four-quarter football game. And we've got to be able to finish there at the end um, and, and, you know, come out with a win and, and come back to Westerville.
0: You know, and I, looking at the rest of your guys' schedule, once you get through the bye, you get the gauntlet, yep. so to speak, of the OAC. You got Ohio Northern, Baldwin, Mount Union, and John Carroll. Yep. yep. You know, so getting to three and three is crucial for some mm-hmm. momentum with that, you know, you guys though, you came off a down year last year. Like I said, you're just a couple plays away from being four and one. Is this really the stretch where as a football team your season's gonna be made? You know, right now really should probably be a four and one football team. How how are you guys as a coaching staff viewing the rest of this season at this point?
1: Uh as a staff, I think it's 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 one game at a time, uh, ultimately. Right. So we've got it, we've got to hone in here on Muskingum, right? Um, it'll be huge to be at three and three and go into that bye with all that momentum. But right now it's, it's, it's one game at a time, taking one step at a time, Um, you know, and getting our guys to believe every single day, Hey, we can do this. We're a good football team. And they showed glimpses of that, you know, on Saturday and they them glimpses, you know, in the previous weeks as well too. Right. But it's, it's, it's one game at a time. Um, total focus on Muskingum um, right now, uh, what they do defensively, what they do offensively, um, and, you know, yeah, we like to look at the head of the schedule a little bit, but you can't get lost in that or, or um, you'll let somebody sneak in and, and, and creep up and beat you on Saturday. So it's right now for us, it's total focus, one game at a time. Uh, we'll get to the rest of that schedule when we get to it.
0: You know, and I want to talk a little bit about the balance of your offense. You guys had over 230 rushing yards, but you also threw for over 200 yards. You know and I'm looking? You guys run the football very effectively. If you take out the Heidelberg game, you guys have ran for darn near at least 100 yards in every game this year, but you guys also throw the football very well. One game where you had well over 300 yards passing against Wilmington. Is that something that you guys strive for is balance, or do you guys try to lean one way or the other?
1: Uh, We try to stay balanced as possible. You know, we want to be 50-50 run the pass. Um, Right now, I believe we are 55-45 run the pass. So we're getting back to that uh, balance. Um, You know, because it it, uh, eliminates a lot of your tendencies that you create offensively, right? Uh, Tendencies being you might be running a certain play out of a certain formation or personnel group. But Uh, being balanced as possible is the best of both worlds because your run can set up your pass, but your pass can also set up your run from that, from that standpoint. So yeah, as an offensive staff, we want to be balanced as possible. There may be, there may be times that we want to lean on the run a little bit more. It's just because we have uh, that veteran offensive line and veteran running back as well too. So, but we're, we're getting back to, you know, being more balanced, um, and that number is also misleading in 55-45 because we have a lot of run-pass options in our offense, right? So the quarterback's reading someone. If it, his read key moves a certain way or moves in the box, he's going to pull and throw it, right? So um, we may have called in a run, but it ends up being a pass from that standpoint. But, yes, we, we look at, you know, our tendencies and, you know, our balance, our run to pass every single week and say, hey, what can we do to kind of balance this out from that standpoint?
0: You know, and one thing I wanted to touch on, you've brought him up a couple of times, is a veteran offensive line. you got an all-OAC center. you got a right tackle who you just don't see size like that at the mm-hmm. D3 level. I believe, what, 6'4", 315? Yeah. I mean, you don't see that at D3. We always hear guys go D3 a lot of times because of size. Well, let me tell you, that's a big boy right there. Yeah, yeah. So what's it like to have one of the better and more veteran offensive lines that you know week in and week out when you're game planning and you got five guys who are going to show up and hit someone.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a great feeling, great thing to have. It's, it's the best of both worlds. Um, You know, for, for us, we know that we can lean on that offensive line because they've been playing together for everyone on that line has been playing together for three years now. One, one being a sophomore who started as a freshman last year. So Uh, But those but those other four have been playing starting together for three, four years now, Um, you know, and and, and we have a tight end, a, a freshman tight end who we think is going to be really, really good down the road. And then in our in our some of our other packages, we bring in an extra offensive lineman because we have that depth to do so and he's he's going to be really good as well, too, so. You know, we we lean on those guys. It's a it's a it's a uh, good problem to have from that standpoint. I, I will put it that way, um, and you know they they take it because uh, we challenge them every week. We tell them we go we're only gonna we go as far as you take us, um, and they for the most part, you know, have answered answered that call. But there's been, just been some games that we just need to finish uh, earlier in the season, but. Um, for the most part, man, those, it's, it's a great thing to have because those guys have just been playing a lot of football together and they, and they understand what we're asking of them. You know, Coach Dalp is our offensive line coach, does an outstanding job with those guys, does an outstanding job in the run game with those guys as well too. So I know week in and week out, those guys are going to be ready to go and, and move some people off the line of scrimmage.
0: You know, so I want to ask you because it was it was a little odd. I noticed something in the game Saturday that you don't see a lot of times when you guys are in between play calls, a lot of times you have a receiver run the play in. Mm-hmm. You guys actually had the quarterback coming towards the sideline to get the play from you guys. Is yep. that normal? What goes into that? What goes into that decision? Uh, well, for us,
1: there was um, a, we had a coach on our staff that is now a coach at uh, Capital university. So uh, he knew a lot of our stuff from that standpoint. So for us, Normally, we're no huddle. We try to go as fast as possible. But when we, when we play, you know, um, there's some coaches that have been on our staff that are still in the OAC at other OAC schools. So, for us, it's just easier to huddle up. We'll have the quarterback come to the sideline and, and uh, give them the play call and, and, and uh, go from there. So, that's what that was all about from that standpoint. Um, so, they couldn't pick up on what we are trying to do because usually we're signaling and stuff like that. Um, but so from that standpoint, it was it was so they couldn't steal our signals or anything like that.
0: You know, and I want to get into a couple of scenarios here. You know, the weather overall was pretty nice Saturday, mm-hmm. but there was a pretty good wind going one yeah. specific direction. <laughs> yeah. How did that impact your guys? You know, ability you know, play callers. Did it did you guys have to switch anything? not necessarily
1: switch anything we just knew that if we were going away from the scoreboard we ain't throwing that ball very deep uh so a lot of it was uh underneath stuff quick game stuff from that standpoint um because that ball wasn't gonna if we wanted to try to throw deep that ball wasn't gonna uh get there with that one so um really didn't change too much because we have a lot of stuff that we can do rather than throwing the ball deep um from that standpoint so but when we when we went towards the scoreboard we took advantage of that wind and and took some shots down the field a little bit so um but yeah it it does change it um just because of the fact that that ball is probably not going to make it where you want it to go if you try to throw it deep
0: so and i gotta ask you as well because you know we got to see there were some recruits there for the game and Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize you're not just coaching a game on saturdays you know this is you know you're coaching a game but then you also have to kind of try to you know, restock for, you know, upcoming season. So what goes into that, you know, your mentality, I know you've told us before, when you hit game day, you're really locked in, you're focused mm-hmm. on the game, but how quick do you have to flip the switch and not only get ready for the next opponent, but also go back into recruit mode?
1: Well, usually for me as well too, you know, we have those game day visits uh, every home game. So, you know, I'm, I, I do meet and greet every recruit that comes through the door. You know, that's, it's a big part of it. Uh, a lot of those guys who come back for the game had visited us in the summertime during our summer recruiting, and it's in, it's it's crucial to get them back for a game so they can see our atmosphere, see what it's like on game day. Um, you know, be down there on the sidelines and get a firsthand experience of how things are done, I mean, you know, and, and to see what it's like playing at the next level because that's very, very important for some of them. Um, you know, for for me – Flipping the switch, you know, we got, uh, you know, Saturday night, obviously, kind of relaxed a little bit, but uh, coming back in on Sunday, it was flip the switch, let's get things ready, you know, go over what mistakes we made, what needs to be corrected, but again, flipping the switch and it's getting ready for Muskingum and breaking down their game from Saturday uh, against Heidelberg. Um, and getting things you know ready to go for you know today's our big game plan day I'm still in the office at eight o'clock been here since 7 a.m so um, still getting things ready from that standpoint um, but you know recruiting throughout the week you're just really reaching out to guys wishing them good luck on Friday nights if we got a home game inviting guys back or, or if we've gotten new recruits since the summertime, inviting them to the game to get them on campus. That's where it really starts. Um, so recruiting, you know, it, it never stops. It's <laughs> even when you're in season, you don't get a break from it because you've got to stay in contact with those guys, you know, throughout the season. So really that's, um, you know, Saturday after the game really don't, you know, there was a few recruits, you know, that thanked me and all that good stuff and, you know, had had a great time at the game. But really not reaching out to guys. I really talked to them after the game um, to say, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, Can't wait to get you back after your season's over and all that good stuff as well, too. So really taking Saturday night to myself to be with my wife and my little boy, um, you know, and then flipping the switch to Muskingum come Sunday and and starting to get ready for that. And, you know, obviously recruiting will will start dabbling in and and getting in contact with kids again uh, for their upcoming games on Friday.
0: You know, and I want to ask you some, you know, philosophy questions, you know, because every coach is a little different. You know, I think about when it comes to recruiting and implementing an offense, and a lot of people always ask, do you recruit players who fit your scheme or do you tailor your scheme to your athletes? I look specifically at, you know, when Peyton Manning went to the Denver Broncos, Mm -hmm. obviously Gary Kubiak had never ran an offense like what Manning was used to, but he realized very quickly this is Peyton Manning. I'm just going to do what Peyton does. So when you're putting together your offensive system at the beginning of the year, are you tailoring it at all to the athletes you have, or are you bringing in athletes who fit the system?
1: Yeah. So my philosophy with that is uh, how I, you know, and I tell every single recruit this, how we look at it as, you know, what players we have, what, and then, and then we translate that next to formations, what formations are going to put that defense in a bad way Um, you know, like maybe, you know, something that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, work out in their favor and then plays. So, yeah, I'm going to tailor my offense to the players, uh, that we have. I think that's crucial because you can't force a system that doesn't work for your kids or, uh, your players, or it's not going to work out well from that standpoint. So, you know, fortunately, luckily, luckily enough, we're able to recruit kids, you know, that fit our system. There's a lot of kids that, came to campus in the summertime when I sat down with them to go over our offense, it was like, yeah, coach, we run similar stuff. You it's, it's, it's all just named a little bit different. And, you know, that's, when you get that connection and you can show them how they will fit into this offense, I think that goes a long way in recruiting Uh, because a lot of guys just don't want to sit down with the offensive coordinator and you show them all, all the good stuff that you did and you haven't tailored anything to that recruit. Um, so for me, when I, when I sit down with a recruit one-on-one, I tailor clips, you know, with his highlight film that he has say, Hey man, this is what, what you would do well in our offense or how you would fit into our offensive scheme. So really it's tailoring that offensive scheme to the players that you have.
0: And I want to ask you a little bit, cause you know, in today's high school athlete, we're, we're so used to hearing guys who played their one sport year round, you know, back when I was an athlete, you know, I'm sure back when you were an athlete as well played two or three sports, you know, you played football, you played basketball and, you know, you do all these different things when you're recruiting. Do you, you know, how much do you look for maybe a lineman who also wrestled or a wide receiver who ran track or played basketball? Do you like dual athlete, you know, recruits? Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's huge. Um, You know, when we, when we look into that stuff, um, we have a certain way that we, that we, uh, we have a rubric that we break down each recruit and, you know, multiple sport athletes go along, like you said, offensive line, uh, being a wrestler, they understand leverage and technique from that standpoint. You know, a wide receiver that was also a sprinter goes a long way as well, too, because a lot of that stuff at the wide receiver position translates from different things you do in track, right? Um, I, I, I uh, tie in a lot of stuff from track uh, from that standpoint and and, and basketball because it's, it's slowly becoming basketball on grass with the different things that um, that it's coming to. So, like, yes, that's very important for me when I'm recruiting a kid to see that he's a multi-sport athlete, um, because I think it's very, very important that you, that you do these different sports because there's different movements and techniques that if you are only doing one sport that you will never get uh, from being a one-sport athlete or a, you know, like a lot of private club stuff that parents are doing now. So I think it's very, very crucial that, that, that uh, student athletes, especially at the high school level are doing at least three sports two, two at the minimum, but like three, three has been great. That's why I did it all through high school, ran, uh, ran track, played basketball and obviously played football as well too. So um, yeah, it's very, very important going through a recruiting process that we look for those, Those athletes because they understand things a little bit more than just a one sport athlete would.
0: You know, and Dave, we got just a couple more questions for you, man. It's been a blast to have you back on. It's
1: been great being on, man. This has
0: been fun. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to spend the bulk of the time highlighting you and your football team because you guys really are, like I said, the record doesn't indicate what an impressive start and what a fun program you guys have been to follow this year. But I want to ask you, you know, There's a lot of misconceptions about D3 football on this show. We've made it kind of our mission to help show people that whatever they think of D3, just go ahead and throw it out the window because it's some of the best football you'll get to watch. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask you a little bit about we hear, you know, when it comes to D1 programs in the offseason. And, you know, you got early signing day in December and all these spring balls and all that. Take us through a little bit of offseason football at the D3 level and what what it's like for you as a coach and what it's like for your athletes as well. Well, as a coach,
1: it's, it's uh, heavy recruiting. You know, as soon as uh, that season ends, you know, obviously if we do not make the playoffs, we're diving right in, getting on the road and, and visiting, you know, high schools. Um, and then we'll come back probably after Thanksgiving and start uh, our on-campus visits uh, from there for the month of December and then take a little bit of break in between um, Christmas and New Year's um, and then we're right back at it again. Uh, with the recruiting, but uh, for our athletes, for our football players, um, after that season's over, we're not allowed uh, to do to do anything with them until they come back from from uh, Christmas break. Um, we do give them, you know, a workout to do, you know, to kind of get back into things over Christmas break, which is a, a, a nice month break for them. I'm sure that they enjoy being with their families, um, but we give them a, work out just to get back into things and then once we get back from Christmas break it's here we go we're starting to we're starting off season uh lifting and and conditioning um you know and then and that will kind of the recruiting and that off season lifting will then kind of follow into spring ball which you know this was a this past year was the first time uh that we were at, to, allowed to use uh, helmet and shoulder pads in spring ball which was a huge advantage for us because You know, not having that equipment, you you can't really accomplish much from that standpoint. A lot of individual getting better from that standpoint, but you know, um, um, other than that, you can't really do much without the shorter pads and helmets. So it was, it was, it was nice to have that last spring as well. Um, But really, as 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 we progress, you know, recruiting continues throughout spring ball. Um, We hope to have you know, our class somewhere wrapped up around that May 1st when our, when our kids will head home for the summer um, to have that. And then it's, you know, taking that month of May and, and working on the next class, getting, getting all the um, recruiting lists from the head coaches in, in your area gathering that information watching film evaluating those guys in the month of may once june 1st hits, all right here we go we're back into summer visits for the month of june a little bit of july um and then you're right back into this right back into camp so you know it's a and that's usually how an off season will go uh for us as a staff and as um and as for our athletes as well too
0: you know and i think that all of that shows one thing that D three football is no less of a grind. You guys are, you know, I went to a small NAIA school and it was crazy to see how Mm -hmm. hard athletes grind at a small school. You know, it really is 60 hours a week. It's a full-time job. It is, you know, and I want to ask you as well, you know, folks put a lot into weight room numbers Mm -hmm. when you're a high schooler, it's how much can you bench? How much do you squat deadlift? Can you talk about, you know, in your opinion, as a coach, How much do you look at the weight room numbers versus how much do you look at how much guys are studying film and what they're doing in the film room as well?
1: Well, I think weight room numbers are important. It shows, you know, obviously we want to see guys improve and guys get stronger. Right. I think it's, that's very important. Um, you know, from that standpoint as well, it makes them more explosive, you know, uh, the more, um, the more that we can get in the weight room and get stronger is going to be advantage for us from that standpoint. Um, You know, I don't think that we dwell too much on those numbers. Uh, Believe me, I, I think that they're important that, that we have a starting point. Okay. And we're going to test them at some point to see where they're at. Um, see if guys have gotten stronger, guys have plateaued, or guys have decreased, right? You know, in our, in our strength and conditioning coach, Jermaine Burkett, who's our defensive backs coach, he does an outstanding job with that, uh, especially this last offseason. I don't, I don't think there's a guy that did not improve his numbers in, in one of those uh, three important lifts um, that, we, that we consider. So he does a great job, especially working with their explosiveness and their technique. Um, and he does, he does an outstanding job with our guys in the weight room. Um, they had a great off season last year and, you know, obviously, in uh, seasons a little bit different. We do lift our guys though, uh, two to three times a week just to maintain because of the long season injuries and to prevent injuries and stuff like that as well too. So,
0: you know, and we end every interview with this, you know, with the advice to high schoolers, we asked you it last time. I'm going to change the question a little bit because, okay. Most of our high schoolers just wrapped up week seven. You know, mm-hmm. my alma mater West Holmes. We're we're sitting at seven and zero right now. You guys are.
1: We had uh, the old West Holmes quarterback was down here for the uh, Marietta game. Mason Wolf, yeah, and his and his on the wide receiver Owen uh, Jeffers. So uh, they're rolling right now.
0: Man, let me tell you, Mason reminds me so much of Big Ben. He had a run yeah. against Lexington Friday that I, I told him. my dad there was about six guys <laughs> and. It was like the Red Sea parted. It yep. was a gorgeous run.
1: Yep, he's a he's a uh, special talent there at the quarterback position. He's a he's a great kid.
0: And you know what's crazy is a guy like him. This is his first year as a starter. He yep. got his first start last year in a playoff game, and all he did yep. was throw for over three hundred yards. Yeah, but you know I want to ask you because guys who have gone through seven weeks of a season for folks who don't know in the state of Ohio, regular season's ten weeks. Yep. So a lot of these guys are, you know, in the heart of it, you know, guys getting ready for maybe playoff or maybe guys who are they got 3 games left in their high school career. And that is something that I think people don't realize is film is important for you guys as college coaches to evaluate. So what would you tell a kid who just wrapped up week 7 of his high school season about what, you know, they need to focus on the last 3 weeks to make themselves, you know, a desired recruit these last 3 weeks?
1: Well, to not, not so much from a tangible asset is really emphasize those last three weeks, especially for the seniors, if they're not going to have a shot in the playoff, enjoy it and have fun. Uh, because those Friday nights are, are something that I wish I could have back in a heartbeat, and I didn't realize it until it was gone. So enjoy it and have fun, number one. Number two, you know, put, put just for an example, if we're talking a wide receiver recruit, you know, try to find as many clips as you can of you running a route tree, route tree being hitch, slant, corner, post, outs, fades, put that on a highlight video because that's what I'm looking for is how does this guy run these different routes? How does he get in and out of his breaks? Show me releases as well too. press man. How are you, you know, against an off corner? How are you stemming at that corner to get yourself open? Um, you know, as well as, uh, you know, blocking, blocking to me is crucial. Um, you ask our guys, it's, it's funny. We made an agreement, um, you know, and we, and every week we go, I, I like to see it against the defensive backs. Uh, so they get that, that, that good on good action rather than do it an individual. And in our agreement is, you know, we're not going to spend any time blocking an individual call me crazy. Cause I know a lot of coaches will, But it's it's paid off for us. Uh, We've done a great job on the perimeter. But if going back to your question from that standpoint is, you know, put those things in there. If I'm talking about an offensive lineman, show me how you know how your pass pro is, how you pull on some plays, right? How you run block, you know, your different schemes that you guys do put them in there and tailor it. You know, that's what we're looking for. Um, yes, we like to see the big plays. That's great. But I also want to see how you do things, you know, with, within a game uh, quarterbacks showing me level one level two, level three balls show me those different how you how you drive a ball down the field right show me how you can, how you can throw your quick game show me great footwork show me three step drop show me a five step drop quick game footwork like I said, how you get how you run play action as well. Um, are all important, and if you put that in a highlight film, you know that makes it easy one easy for us to evaluate, uh, and we can tell from right now like this is going to be a guy that that can help us out, you know, either next year or or down the road.
0: You know, Dave, it's been a blast, man. You know, I want to give you guys some props for the facilities and the work you guys do at Otterbein. The OAC in general has some of the better facilities you'll see in all of D three. Marietta's got the awesome gray turf. ohio northern if you take away the fact that the wind in ada is absolutely that wind
1: can be brutal sometimes man i'll tell you what but it's you know i worked there for a year what an outstanding facility that they have out there uh from a football stadium standpoint um you know musking i'm just building that uh brand new indoor that we'll get to see this weekend um uh it looks from what i've heard and what i've seen it looks beautiful so um You know there a, a lot of a lot of people have misconceptions about D3, especially the OAC, you go to these different facilities and you know I'm blown away even though I've been 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 in it for uh, about 10 years now of, of I've seen everywhere, but still there's always somewhere that you go. all right, somebody's upgraded their facility and now it looks like this and now they have this and now they, you know, we have that. so like, uh, for a recruit, you, man, you can't go wrong with, with playing D3 football, especially in the OAC. You're going to get great football uh, week in and week out.
0: You know, and if folks think they can't make it to the NFL, Mounts put guys yep. like Pierre Garçon, Jasper Collins, Cecil Shorts. Ohio Northern had Scott Trusnick, who was yep. a longtime linebacker. John Carroll, you know, they only have two head coaches in the NFL right now. Yep. You know, and even you guys have had a couple guys with some tryouts here recently. Mm-hmm. So just yep. goes to show. Doesn't matter where you played. If you're good, they're gonna find you. They're the gonna OAC find you. Just happens absolutely. to be one of the best.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, those two guys that we had, Hunter, Hunter Joseph, and Julian Lowe, were two, two really, really outstanding receivers that I had the pleasure of coaching when I started here as a graduate assistant. Um, you know, Julian actually went on and played for the Columbus Destroyers in that Arena Football League. So, you know, though, if like you said, if if you're you're good enough, they're gonna find you.
0: Dave, it's been an absolute blast, man. We got to do it again. But until next time, folks, that's all we got for you guys on this one. Like I always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.